chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Wildcat Scoop podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Shear, here with... Jason Shear. And as we have promised, the long-awaited 2023 Arizona football season recap podcast. Before we jump into that, we we should probably address what happened today. There was some there was some <laughs> stuffs that went down today. Um, first of all, shout out to like my favorite coach ever, Pete Carroll. Yeah, Jason texted me, "Holy shit!" I yeah. was like, "What?" And he's like, "Uh, uh, Pete Carroll got fired." They got rid of my guy Pete. I love Pete Carroll. He's literally my favorite college coach ever. Uh, I still think if I was a college, like he would be one of my first calls if I had an opening. I don't care how old he is. Let him coach for five years, you know. And then whatever. really retire. You know, he's seventy-two, right? Well, he he let, said, let the man retire. No, he said in his presser, he's like, "I feel great. I have energy. I want to go learn more. I want like he did, did not sound like a guy that want like if, if the Chargers called him up tomorrow, he would take that job. He's a global learner, like Bill Walton. Yes, uh, <laughs> but obviously the biggest news of the day is even uh, bigger news is Nick Saban retiring um officially jed fish should be headed to alabama in the next 20 no why are you trying to <laughs> he's you're such a shit sir uh no people know i will say this i don't judd's not going to alabama but i always say this about the coaching it's not the biggest one you look for it's the other ones opening up and right. if i'm dave hickey i'm on the phone with whoever i need to be on the phone with today saying look man we need to execute this contract. Yeah, didn't Love have an article say about what's the holdup? Yeah, Just sure. saying. Uh, but, like, it's a, it's a situation where the, the contract is pretty much done, but it doesn't matter if it's signed because it's not executed. Right. And so, you know, if Dan Lanning takes the Alabama job, does Oregon interview Jed Fish? I don't know. I don't know. And, and and that's the thing. I want to be very clear. I don't know. It's all speculation. Right. But does Jed go to Arizona and be like, look, all of a sudden my name's coming up. Right. Does Oregon hire another school's coach and that school looks at Jed? Like eventually. Someone's looking at Jed. Someone's looking at Jed. I'm not saying they're hiring Jed. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying Jed is leaving. I don't think Jed leaves this cycle. I'm just saying that eventually his name is going to come up and he's probably going to interview and try to get a little more bang for his buck or shoot if he's planning on staying for arizona i'd even interview and, and make it look like i turned down another school for arizona 
You know what I mean? Like yeah, if there's he a lot of gamesmanship in all of this. Like if he, for instance, if you interview at Oregon, let's say Jed interviews at Oregon and he's not the guy, Jed could go on Twitter and be like, I'm pulling out of the Oregon candidacy. I love Arizona. And then all of a sudden, to your common person who doesn't know better, it looks like he chose Arizona over Oregon. Yep. You it's know what I mean? all spin. So, again, I, I don't see Jed Fish leaving this cycle. I'm just saying that, like, it's pretty wild that because of the size of the job that Alabama is and the fact that it is January 10th, there are going to be multiple schools that have their fan bases crushed. You know, like Down whoever, the road here. Right. Whoever Alabama hires, that fan base is going to be crushed. And then whoever that school hires, the other fan base most likely because it's coming from such a big school, that fan base will be crushed. So it's a thing where like, let's say it's Lanning, Oregon's fans are going to be crushed. Let's say it's Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss fans are going to be crushed. Let's say it's Sark, Texas fans, Sark just brought them to the semi. It's going to be a major coach. Mm -hmm. So it's a situation where some fan base is going to be super upset when they woke up yesterday or this morning. Thought they were stable. And they said, yeah, man, we're just in that transfer portal, baby. <laughs> like, that's it. We're just got to lean a couple more. And now your coach is in the transfer portal. And now portal. your coach is in the, and, and we know what happens. Keep this in mind. So Alabama told the players in the meeting, multiple sources saying, give us three days before you enter the portal. We're going to have you a head coach in 72 hours. That means that they already have they finals. Know. Or they, they know and it's done and they just have to – Make it look like it's not done. Um, when you lose your head coach, you can enter the portal within 30 days. So now you thought the tra- everyone's like, oh, transfer portal this. There are schools that don't have spaces. Well, Arizona's got some spots now. They didn't fill up on the transfer Come portal. Come to Arizona, baby. So if you're Arizona and Alabama loses 20 players to Florida, Oregon, there's going to be some Oregon guys, you know what, or whatever school mm-hmm. it is. There's one Oregon guy that we're not going to be taking back. Uh, no, I don't. I, I, people are going to ask. I honestly don't think Arizona would take Elijah rushing back. Uh, I, I really don't. No, I think that he galvanized the program into the whole development word to the point of. Uh, There'd have to be a lot of uh, fixing, like, a lot of cleaning up, right? Well, and I think that the parents would have to be away from the program. Yeah, it would be. I don't. I honestly don't think. Good. That, but whatever. Anyway, whatever. So bye. That's. That, that's happening. That's going on now. Ongoing development. Again, I don't think. And then, look, assistant coaches, maybe that impacts them. I don't know. Uh, I know that we have the defensive coordinator profile, Robert Bala. He's probably number one on my list. Well, all of a sudden, he doesn't have a job. Because he's no, I mean, you got to assume the new, maybe the new Alabama coach keeps him. Maybe he does it. Well, now all of a sudden. It's so hard. I feel bad for these coaches. Yeah. So, you know, it's a situation where. Everything's on the table. Coaching is, you know, we all think about head coaching with these coaching carousels. It, it's not just head coaching. It's, it's, it's assistant l- coaching. It's coordinators. And um, look, Alabama's not going to hire Brendan Carroll. They're not, you know, but now all of a sudden, if you're Arizona and you need a DC, your Alabama, you know, needs a DC. And then the school that they got their coach from needs a DC. And then the school that they got their coach from needs a DC. Effect. So now all of a sudden you're competing like against multiple schools and you're Jed Fish and you said, look, I want to take my time. Well, maybe now you're saying, maybe I don't want to take my time all of a sudden. Maybe Lock I want to have this hire done in the next week. So we'll see. So now that you're all upset about that. <laughs> well, I made it very clear. I don't. Ex- I, I honestly, I'm not bullshitting. Do you know how finicky this Arizona fan base is, Jason? I'm just... not bullshitting. Look, I, I'll say this, and Michael, Luke, and I disagree. We've had phone calls at Shelbyard. 
I think if Laning goes, Oregon will reach out to Jeff Fish. I do. I'm going to be blunt. I think that they would be silly not to, but I don't think I, he's an actual candidate. Right. I don't think he would be the guy. No. But I think if you're Oregon, Nike, all that, you reach out to Jed Fish because you reach out he to Jed Fish. He just had a great season. But I, again, I don't think he would be the hire, but I'm just saying that the way the coaching carousel works, if Jed's name comes up. Don't panic. Like, look, Jed's name came up for Michigan State. He interviewed with Michigan State. Very confident in saying that. He didn't go to Michigan State. He wasn't the hire at Michigan State. So yeah, these things happen all the time. You would be very surprised at who contacts who and you never hear about it. I'll just leave it at that. Well, and that's the way that it should be, too. Like, we, the public doesn't need to know every single backroom deal because they eventually don't lead to anything. So, I mean, whatever. Like, think about it. Today, we had no idea that Alabama was talking to any coach. Of course they've talked to coaches in the last 48 hours. They have to have known Saban. First of all, Saban's tired, guys. Like, if you just watch him on TV, he's been tired. This whole season, his body language has been a little bit uh, depressed. So, if you, if you hear Brielle laughing, I have a suitcase it, that I haven't packed up, and Brody, our dog, is now. He just jumped in it. Jumped and in the suitcase. He heard leaving. I swear to God, because we just said leaving. He's now in the suitcase, burrowing a hole, and he's now laying down in my suitcase because, quote, we are leaving. So yeah, yep, that's where we're at with our our dogs. But. All right, so. Back to the football podcast, uh, but we would be remiss not to shout out our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. We're not doing that anymore. Oh well, we are we, now. We're still we we're it. shouting them out. Uh, They've been a great sponsor all Wildcat season. Scoop twenty three homefieldapparel.com. You get twenty percent off your first order. Yeah, get it done. I saw Murph. Murph is wearing that Homefield Apparel Arizona jacket while oh, watching Carter Bryant yesterday. Nice. So My he, jacket? Yeah, hopefully he nice. used the... It's literally the best jacket Hopefully ever. he used the password. Um, okay, well, we're going to start with the end-of-season football podcast as our dog distracts everyone. Uh, let's start with the biggest personnel storyline. Of course, we're talking about Jaden Delora turning into Noah Fafita. Did Noah Fafita's success surprise you this season? Jason. Yeah, look, I thought Noah Fafita would be good. Right. I think most people thought Noah Fafita would be good. But we have to go back to the summer in the spring. Jaden Delora, and you can ask anyone that was there, Jaden Delora played better than Noah Fafita. He looked awesome. Like, Jed didn't make a random decision. He didn't make a biased decision. Jaden looked better, so Jaden got the starting job. Um, you know... I thought Noah, if he would have gotten in the game or in a game early season, would have been pretty good. Uh, but there's a big difference between pretty good and what he wound up being. If you take his numbers and extend it over a full season. He would have been astronomical. He, he would have been a Heisman finalist. Like, he would have been right there with anyone. Um, you know, looking back at it, it's a situation where he was thrust. Now, remember, like, it wasn't like the type of quarterback controversy where, a, a, you know, you, you say, look, you're, you're just going to start next game, right? Uh, it's a situation where, I think I just broke the TV. It's a situation <laughs> where, um, you know, Jaden got hurt in that Stanford game. Mid-game. And Arizona was playing like complete dog shit. They were I looking mean, they, real bad. There was a very real chance they were losing to Stanford, right? And... <laughs> I'm a mess. If you hear the TV, I'm sorry. Uh, there's a very real chance they were losing to Stanford, and Noah comes in, and he leads them to victory. 
And then it's like, congratulations, your reward is you get to play Washington and you, at home, and then you get USC on the road, and most quarterbacks would fold. And he's a freshman, guys. I was on a, uh, a show with Chip Brown on the Texas website, and we were discussing Arizona season because he's asked me about Nansen, and I said, look, there's a large part of the Arizona fan base, and I bet you've asked the coaching staff, and I kind of think so too. If, if Arizona played Washington with Noah Fafita now, Versus Noah Fafita's first career start, there's a very real chance that game goes a different way at Arizona Stadium. And and then I have a ton of respect for watching. I'm just saying that, you know, you go back and Arizona does not lose that Mississippi State game, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it so overall, am I surprised that Noah Fafita is a good quarterback? No, of course I'm not surprised he's a good quarterback. Arizona recruited him for a reason, and and coaching staff liked him, and the you know, evaluators liked him and all that. I'm just surprised that he was so good so fast. As were us all. So were we all? All as were we all? Uh, what was the game that you were most disappointed in? I think you mentioned it already. Well, there's two ways to look at this, show. What game was you were you most disappointed in? Uh, well, I really hate losing to Washington by like one touchdown. That yeah sucked. Um, Mississippi I, State was. I think the. The, the way it played out, the USC game, mm. hurt. That one hurt. Also, I hate USC. Right? Because no Arizona fan likes USC. Mm-mm. Double overtime. What happens if Jed goes for two? All that. But to me, the game that hurt Arizona overall and was the most disappointing was very clearly Mississippi State. Yep. Because as it turns out, Mississippi State sucks. Like, if Arizona played Mississippi State tomorrow... They would win by multiple touchdowns. Arizona had a chance to win that game, despite the fact that Jane and Delora was basically handing them the ball. Right? Seriously. <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it, it was like... I almost went in as quarterback at that point. Yeah, like it was just insane. The fact that Arizona was even in that game shows how bad Mississippi State is. And so when you look at the season and you look at the rankings, you say to yourself, man, if, if Arizona beats Mississippi State... Are, are they in a New Year's Eve Six Bowl? Probably. Are they in the top 10 instead of 11? Yeah. Pro- yes. Absolutely. Right? Mississippi State is the only bad loss. It really is. They're, Mississippi is bad. USC, still talented, played really well in the bowl game against Louisville, whatever Washington, it may be. Washington, obviously, even though they lost, were in the national title game. Right. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's a situation where it, it, it's – when you lose to the good teams – or the above-average teams, you can understand it. When you lose to the bad teams, and the only reason, and I, I don't like saying this, but the only reason Arizona lost to Mississippi State is because of Arizona. Yep. Mississippi State, you could ask Mississippi State fans, they didn't play well. They were shocked. Uh, they didn't play well that game. And it was a situation where had Arizona won that game, the trajectory of the season could have been different. Mm-hmm. So that, to that me, is the game that I look at and I go. Though, it, to be fair, you, you know, in a, uh, you've heard Tommy Lloyd say, like, with the losing thing, like, you learn more from a loss. I do think it was very character build. Like, I want to say character building think, to be derivative. I'm saying, like, there was a lot of lessons learned from that. I, I think that works with basketball because there's know. so many damn games. With football, you lose one game, your whole season has changed. It's I know. Each game is precious. But this was like a... An identity-forming season in Arizona a lot of ways. Arizona lost three games by a combined 16 points. Uh-huh. So you're talking about 16 points away from playing 
in the college football playoff. Well, maybe. Like yeah. the, it took Washington well, they like won the Pac-12 Begbaro ceiling. A New Year's Eve six bowl guaranteed, yeah. right? Yeah. They could well, have played Liberty and beat the Liberty. I'm not disagreeing 400. with you. I'm just saying. I just think you should stop disagreeing with me. Anyway, uh, maybe you should stop sitting on the remote and turning the TV on. Um, I was like, man, that food looked good, and then I realized it was cat food. Ew. So. <laughs> What was your favorite game? And we are not including the Alamo Bowl because he asked me this earlier and I was like, oh, the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, that's but, like regular season game. Well, and then I, I don't think we should count ASU either. Hey, why? Well, because beating ASU is always the best. There's we, people that would take the victory over ASU over the Alamo Bowl. If I told you that you had a choice between the Territorial Cup and the Alamo Bowl and, and Arizona had to lose one of those, which one would you have picked? The Alamo Bowl. Yeah, I guess. Okay, but you say why. Just you. Shelby's favorite was ASU. Tell him why. You can pick ASU. You're pretty. I think, <laughs> first of all, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Second, obviously it's awesome to beat ASU at their Sun Devil Mountain West Bank Stadium, whatever the frick it's called. But... I also think that, like, the crowd being predominantly Arizona and it just being, like, this fever pitch where it was just, like, a domination and then all their fans started leaving early. It was just – all of it was and, amazing. And before the game, I told you, I said, look, if Arizona wins, I'm just letting you know, there's nothing cooler than being on this field. And we were on the field at the ASU end. When ASU loses. I go, it's just fun because the fans are right on top of the field, the way the stadium is designed. I go, and it's fun – just don't yell at anyone. And I did not. And uh, you did it. People yelled at us, but you did it. But Dude, there was, by the way, now that we're past the <laughs> no, game. No, you said it. You said it. I'm saying it one more time. Whoever that ASU fan was. Wanted to fight me? That wanted to fight Jason. You have no idea how close, like, that Jason literally almost stopped to, like, have some words with you. Uh, but we kept going. But I did flip him off from behind for you. Thank you, baby. Yeah. And, uh. But, yeah, I mean, there's something, like, it's just fun, man. Like, seeing the scene. That game was fun. And, yeah, to, that bands. was clearly the best regular season game. Because, like, to see Jordan Morgan spike the flag. To see Michael Wiley hold the Territorial Cup. To see these guys, these seniors. And like, being in the room, like, for afterwards in the press Bill conference. Bill Norton walking around, smiling, taking pictures with reporters. It's like, here, you want to take a picture of me? To me, the game that was most fun was was Utah. That was a fun game. And the reason is because Utah is the standard of what Jetfish wants Arizona to look like. And they were arrogant. And uh, the Utah fan base is, is a lot to handle. Some are nice, some are not. Uh, but I actually agree. Like, I have a lot of respect for the Utah football program. Mm -hmm. But I also remember the years in which Utah beat the living shit out of Arizona. And to me, the cool part... The most exciting part was seeing the script flipped, seeing Arizona run Utah off the field. To me, you know, seeing Arizona throw the late touchdown to rub it in. It was let's so good. It was let's so good. They rubbed it in. That to me was was the most fun I had at a game this year. I love that because you know their coach likes to do that to other teams. So when Arizona did it to Utah and their fan base just like lost their minds. That's literally the best feeling ever. It was so good. And also, you we were on the field. Was that the game that you almost tripped over the No, I did trip pilot. over it. You tripped over the pilot. The guy was like, watch out for the, uh, the, the goalpost. It's on the ground. I was like, yeah, okay. And then I turned around <laughs> and fell. tripped over it. Just literally quarter he of a second. He did catch himself. 
He's all grace, but he did trip over it. I'm very graceful. All right. Um, who is your offensive and defensive MVP? Offensive MVP, I, I'm going with a clear one. I think it's Noah. Just yeah. because, you know, look, I don't hate Jaden as much as others, but I think Arizona's probably a seven-win team with Jaden. I, I just do. I think Noah train, changed the trajectory of the season for reasons we said earlier. And I don't think Arizona has the offensive success. Mm-hmm. You agree on offense? You going Noah, T Mac, Jonah Coleman, I was Jordan say, Morgan. Well, oh, it's such as like an embarrassment of riches season. I mean, T Mac is. Here's the question: What is? And I'm not taking away from T Mac's talents, but like you can't have a T Mac without a Noah. Really. Yeah, vice you know versa. I mean? I mean, and vice versa. It, it, I don't. I think it's one of these one A one B type of deals. You could choose. Oh, it's code, hard. You know well, and I mean? Jonah Coleman I, at the beginning of the season, I don't think that like was, Arizona, we were talking about him. Arizona probably doesn't beat Colorado without mm-hmm. Jonah Coleman. So it's, yeah, I mean, everyone kind of were a hero's cape, but I would say for consistency, and obviously we started the whole thing talking about Noah. I will. I'll agree with Noah, but I, I would say. The runner-up to me, like, since if you take Noah off the table and you had to pick one, oh, that's so hard. I would say I you have to pick T-Mac. I really think you do. I, it, it's it's awful that he didn't get any more. He needed more recognition this year, and I think I think next year will be his year to shine, obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah. All, All right. right. Now, I think we're going to disagree about defensive MVP. To me, it's Jacob Manu. And the reason it's Jacob Manu, and, like, I thought about Gunner, which is wild. Uh, I thought about other people, but the reason to me it's Manu is because the drop off from the first linebacker to the second linebacker is so drastic that had Jacob Manu not done what he done or had he gotten hurt, I think that defense would have taken a major hit because now you're talking your second linebacker is uh, Kamu, is it Daniel Hamuli, is it, do you put Martel Irby at linebacker every game, is it Justin Flo, you know, to me that drop off. That drop-off from your first to second linebacker and what Manu means to the defense, I think that's an easy choice for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You disagree? I don't disagree. Jacob Manu is amazing, and I I agree with you. However, uh, I believe most of Arizona Wildcat Nation would agree that it should be Gunnar Maldonado. Like, just, it has to be. See, I'm, I'm looking at over the course of the season. I know. There's games I where, like, that. ASU, if you were to tell me it's Gunnar, Oklahoma, very clearly Gunner, but was it Gunner again early in the season? Yeah, when but was... doesn't he finish with, like with really high stats? Like I think Martel Irby actually finished higher stats than any defensive player. No, there was Jacob Manu game... had the most tackles in the conference. Honey. Well, I mean, like Martel finished with some really high stats for the last game. Yeah, the last game of the year, he was fine. Well, but we're I talking about Martel the whole. Irby. I, I don't care. You, I thought I you would say Martell because of the leadership. And I was going to say Martell's my runner up for leadership because the defense really wouldn't have worked without his glue. Like he is such an amazing public speaker. He's a great player. Obviously he had some great picks and everything, but I still think, and this is not a Gunner Maldonado apology tour. I think his trajectory from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, to the, the plays that he made where he, he literally changed the game like completely like, Obviously, the Alamo Bowl comes to mind, but just for that complete turnaround on de- defense. And, and like, then what does he become now? And how does his draft stock improve and all that fun stuff? I, I would say Gunnar Maldonado. Works for me. Yeah. My bad Gunner. My bad Gunner. Right, Mike? 
Um, what young player are you most excited for next season? This is another one. There's a lot. There's a lot of options, uh, which is interesting on a team that returns a lot of players. But uh, I think there's a guy at Russell Davis at defensive end is a guy that has put in the work, has taken the right approach. And a lot of times in college football, when you stick with it, when you take the right approach, when you're not transferring to a bunch of schools because you're not playing as much, you hit that payoff. Uh, the gunner would be that payoff. Yeah, he transferred, but he stuck with it at Arizona when it wasn't great or whatever. Um, I think that the payoff is going to be for Russell Davis. He waited. He played 20 snaps, 25 snaps. I think he'll play a little bit more. But I think that next year is the first year where we'll get those numbers. We saw glimpses against USC where he was fantastic, and there were some, a couple other games where he was fantastic, and, and there were other games where he kind of disappeared. I think we'll see that consistency and that next-level jump next season. Okay, yay. I have no thoughts about young players. I mean, there's a lot. Like, you could say one of the receivers, like Malachi Riley. You I do You could say like Kevin Riley. Green. You could say Genesis Smith. Who came I actually thought the, of Genesis when he came we... up with the pick against Oklahoma. Um, there's, I mean, there's the, the reality is one of the young linebackers, you could say. There's a bunch of, of options. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on Nansen leaving for Tejas? Yeah, so... I don't want to say it came as a surprise to Arizona's coaching staff, but I do think there was some confidence that it could convince him to stay because Johnny Nansen is not calling plays. I am, At I, Texas. I inquired today. Maybe he'll come. He'll help with the game planning, uh, but he is not calling plays. At Arizona, Jed Fish let the defensive staff have full autonomy. Like, I'm not even sure Jed sat in on def defensive meetings. It was probably Nansen, Akina, everyone gets a little input. If you're a defensive coordinator looking for a job where you can mold the defense how you want, like Jed may say, hey, look, we want to run a 4-2-5. That's it. However you want to do it, do it. That's our personnel. Whatever, from there. Here's the keys. I could see Jed doing that. But to go from a job that you have full autonomy and it was whispered that, like, look, if – if Arizona's defense has another good year in the Big 12, and let's say Jed leaves for that bigger job. Who do you turn to? You're turning, you, there's a very good chance you're turning to Nansen or Brendan Carroll. They're like, you are a legit candidate. And if you don't get the Arizona job, you're probably being kept or you're in the running for a big job anyway, right? Um, so I think there was some hesitancy that he would leave, but at the end of the day, he was close to Sark. And I don't know how much it will be, but he's clearly going to get a pay raise because it's Texas. And, you know, the other side of that is maybe he says, look, what if I don't get the job and Jed leaves and the new coach doesn't want me? Well, now I'm jobless and I'm kind of looking. So maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to personnel. Like, I don't think Johnny Nansen went from being an atrocious defensive coordinator his first year to a remarkable defensive coordinator in his second it's personnel, and I think that with most guys that Jed is looking to bring in at defensive coordinator, if Arizona has the personnel, that defensive coordinator is going to look fine. If they don't have the personnel, the defensive coordinator is going to look like shit. But you know, Johnny did what Johnny wanted to do. I don't. I'm not. You're mad at him. I'm not really that mad at him. I like Johnny, treating me well, and uh, I hope it works out for him. Because if it doesn't, he's 
he made the wrong career move. That's what I just the thing. I'm just not a believer in hitching your wagon to Sarkeesian ever. Like Yeah, you you you've got a, a beef. I have a beef with Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, we we know. I've said it before. She I'm not going to I'm not going to say it. We said it on the, the yeah. podcast. I'll say it if, again someday, but not today. If you want, you could ask me on the message board. Yeah. Anyway, goodbye, sir. If you're Jed, uh, where are you turning for the new DC? Obviously, we already kind of touched base on, like, you know, Brendan Carroll's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, to me, this is real simple. You have Dwayne Aquino as the passing game coordinator. You bring in a young recruiting guy, make him the running coordinator and the linebacker coach. You have them, you know, Aquino. Team. Team him up. Let the new coordinator, defensive co-coordinator, whatever you want to call him, learn from Aquino. Aquino's probably going to retire in a couple years. New guy takes over. Boom, done. Done. So I'm looking for a young. Hungry. Hungry. And that's the key. And I think Jed's got, you have to be able and want to recruit. Again, I'm not going to speak ill will of Johnny. uh, But I think that in his tenure, that was the one surprising slash disappointing thing. Is that he was sold as a major, major recruiter. And he really didn't land anyone except for like the low hanging fruit. Like Arizona didn't go out and land some four-star massive Polynesian defensive lineman because of Johnny Nansen. Right. So you got to be young, hungry, a guy that's going to really want to get it. A guy that, like, I don't want to say I would hire a guy who's this would be his first job, but, you know, there's a lot of negativity and there's a stigma around a guy that if you hire a guy who's a first-time defensive coordinator. But on the same token, if it's the first time a guy's a defensive coordinator, he knows he can't fail. Because if he fails, he's in trouble for the rest of his career. You go back to being a position coach. So a lot of times, those guys are actually hungrier and work harder. Yeah, that, that desperate thing yeah. um, to like perform better. All right, I agree. That would be ideal. Nothing ever seems to go exactly the way that we project. But as of now, what is the off-season outlook? Yeah, so I mean... Again, like I said earlier, like it's all about transfer portal, transfer portal, this, that. You know, look, I I get asked every day, why isn't Arizona landing more guys? And and it always comes back to the same answer, and I wish people would write it down or do whatever they have to do. Arizona doesn't have a lot of spots. And they like their team, so they're not actively running guys off. They're not gonna be like, You're not good enough, you're gone, right? The guys that weren't good enough to really play are probably gone already. Like Isaiah Taylor isn't awful. He's gone, though. He left. He wants more snaps. Um, but then you have Genesis Smith, so who cares, right? Yeah, you're bringing Genesis in, is great. You're bringing in multiple freshman safeties that you believe, you know, like you believe a guy like Raheem Wright's going to play wherever he's going to play. You believe that a guy like Teron Williams is going to be good enough. You believe that you have younger players that are ready to take the next step. And Arizona has always, under Jed Fish, given the keys to younger players and said, go get them, right? You're going to make mistakes, but they're going to learn real fast. And you return 17 of 22 starters or whatever it is. So Arizona needs another linebacker. They're going to go get another linebacker. Arizona probably wants a couple more defensive linemen. They're going to go get a couple more defensive linemen. Right? They are. 100%. Jackson Moy, the Stanford transfer, probably Arizona and Washington. Arizona has a very legit chance. Linebacker, I would be shocked if Arizona doesn't go and add another linebacker. Um, You know, defensive end, I think Arizona lands another defensive end. Wide receiver, Arizona's only going after a wide receiver. It feels like it's an elite. Could Arizona have gotten Mikey Matthews? Very likely. Did it feel that Mikey Matthews was that much better than the guys on the roster? No. Could, now, Silas Bolden from Oregon State, you put him in the slot, the game's changed. 
mm-hmm. right? And that's why Arizona's all over Silas Bolden. He's going to take an official visit. Texas, Arizona, USC, Washington. Like, look at the schools Arizona's competing with, and that tells you what you need to know about Silas Bolden, right? So if they, can, if they miss out on Silas Bolden, are they going to go off for another random wide receiver? No, it's going to be elite. And I'll say this, and I think it was Bud Elliott of 24-7 that tweeted this. The easiest position to go out and get during the spring and plug in after the spring is a defensive end and a defensive lineman. So what you're going to see is after spring football, there's going to be a bunch of portal activity. Remember, Arizona didn't get Taylor Upshaw until May. Yep. And Taylor Upshaw wound up being Arizona's best defensive lineman, best pass, one of the best pass rushers in the conference. So... I'm not freaking out if in March Arizona doesn't have certain upgrades because that just means they're going to get them in, you know, in, in the spring. Like, they're not done. They're not just going to sit on the laurels and be like, you know what? Yeah, we need a linebacker, but let's just sit this one out. That's not how coaching works. Like, so am I in, 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 you know, Matt Doherty said it, the director of player personnel, Matt Doherty said in the press conference, your football roster isn't completed until August anymore. It's not a situation anymore where, it's after signing day and you're done, right? Like you're, you're just done, right? Like it's signing day, February. Remember the good old days. Roster's completed. It's just not like that anymore. Remember the party we went to with Stoops every year? Yeah, where you used to just talk shit about every other coach in the conference and then yeah, you could like great. keep it in this room. Uh, yeah, so it's just not like that. The roster's not going to be done next week. It's not going to be done. Look, you thought your roster, if you're another school, was done in, in a week ago? Well, Alabama's got a roster that's about to enter the portal, maybe. About to explode. Right? And then whatever school they hire from, you're going to get 20 more. So all of a sudden, you're going to have 100 new players in the portal by the end of next week. Yep. And Arizona does have some openings, and they are in a good position. And I will say, there's this, like, misconception just because you aren't hearing something that, that work isn't going on. Well. There's work going on all the time. That's, okay, that's that's kind of what I, I want to say. Like, I, I regret but I had to, like, I, I told Jackson Moy was on campus, right? And I couldn't report that until Tuesday. And the reason I couldn't report that on Tuesday is because Arizona is very, just like last year, this is a new, they're very secret with their transfers. I'm able to report it over other sites that didn't report it at all. I will be able to report who's on campus this weekend if they bring guys, hopefully the day before. If not, it might come after. Uh, but we'll always report and get who's on campus. But the transfer portal is so nasty right now like we saw a player commit to georgia the quarterback maiva from unlv and then commit to usc two days later he didn't just wake up and say man i want to be a trojan like stuff happens the transfer portal there was stuff that happened uh, in that 48 Radcliffe, hours marcus Radcliffe, the corner committed to ucla and now he's going to AM. you are now getting transfer portal decommitments like how wild is that like you are getting a guy from the transfer portal you were saying we are if you're ucla whatever you're saying we are done at corner in the transfer portal we're going to pass on this guy, this guy, this guy, because we got our guy, right? Ten days later, that guy that you thought you had, where all he had to do was take one class, and then he's officially enrolled, left. And now you're saying, well, shoot, now we don't even have a corner, and we can't get him in time to start classes. So the transfer portal is a nasty business. Vicious. It's much more nastier than high school recruiting. Because high school yeah. recruiting, you have time to recover. The transfer portal is just a different animal. Yeah, it's like called power to the players right there. So, all right. Well, that was exciting. I am just bummed that this awesome season is over. Just thinking about 
the journey, even like looking at photos of Brielle and I from the spring game last year. That was, I remember Gronk and the, the Gronk brothers were the coaches of the spring game. That feels like a million years ago. I think ago. spring football is starting late this year. Oh, really? And it actually makes sense to start, like, late. And it makes sense to start later because now you can wait for other schools to start earlier and get the transfer portal action in and still bring in guys to be on your team for spring football. Wow. So now it's a strategy. Even that, now it's a strategy. When do I start spring? Well, if I start too early and... Now there's portal guys and I'm doing this and that, but if I start later and other teams, let's say a Taylor Upshaw enters the portal on March 1st, but I'm not starting spring football until March 15th, when I could bring you on and you could still do spring football with my team. Boom, do like, it. I think ASU's starting later also. So when you say later, are we talking like like end of April? End of March. End of March, okay. I believe, I have to check the date, but I think it's starting like March 27th. Oh, wow. I think it's late this year. That's awesome, okay. Yeah. Um, I will also say, as I have said all season long, thank you one final time to the Pride of Arizona. This year's uh, students, if you are, are going to be continuing, awesome. But if you are a senior, I, I knew a lot of seniors this year. Um, great job. Great job to the mascots. Great job to the cheerleaders. Great job to the Palm Line. As usual, we'll always support those students as well because they are an integral part of like the football experience. It's not just the players themselves, even though they are amazing. The coaches are great. The staff in Arizona Stadium work their booties off. Um, so everyone has a good game experience. And I, my dad asked me yesterday on the phone, remember he's like, I'm wondering if I should get season tickets. I'm like, yeah, dad, you're getting season tickets. Just do it. So I think we'll be doing uh, a family season ticket pool, even though Jason and I sit in the press box. We have other guests and families that are going to come. So it's exciting. And we are no longer, technically by the time we play again, a Pac-12 school. We will be a Big 12 school, which is even more exciting. We're going to have new fans coming into town. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to interact with new fan bases. And also, um, I will continue to hate UCLA even after we're not in the same conference. So don't worry about that. I will continue to point out their inadequacies anytime I can. And uh, yeah, so close the book on this season, babe. Well, Shell, there's only one way for you to close it down. No matter where you are, what you do, wherever you live in America, you can always bear down. Shelly, there's one thing we forgot to do. What did we forget to do? Shout out to all the seniors, especially the ones like Michael Wiley, et cetera, that stayed. Seniors! Through the Kevin Sumlin era. Just name a couple the, other ones. Jordan Morgan. Boom. Michael Wiley. Boom. My guy Nazar Babata. Boom. A lot of dudes that are having their letters up. Great senior class. Great kids. Pleasure. Honoring. Great men. I say kids always. Thank you so much for staying. Oh, honey. Yeah.